Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, uh, and it's, it's 5 o'clock, the number one show at 5 o'clock, and broadcasting out of WABC Studios in Midtown, and this is a TriCast, also on 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR, and today... <laughs> Today, we have a full house. What's a full house? We have four lawyers, a chief, and me and Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I, lost, I lose track. We have uh, Mr. Nelson Happy, a former dean of the law school at Regis University. Uh, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Ed Cox, a former, almost current, uh, you were always the second uh, son-in-law. <laughs> You weren't the first son in law. That was David uh, David Eisenhower. He, he got married a year before we did. Yep. And we have uh, Governor uh, uh, David Patterson and the chief. How are you like to call him chief? Uh, apparently, if you're in San Francisco, that's offensive. Okay. So you can't say the word chief anymore. I don't spend anymore. much time in San Francisco. It's too, too many homeless people. It's not, not a good place. There's a lot of movement in the streets. And Tony Carbonetti there. Yes. And uh, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, we have, we have a, a great show, I understand. Fantastic show. We'll be speaking with Bob Yunanwe, who is the CEO of Goya Foods. Tom Hicks, the co-chair of the Repo- Republican National Committee. Senator Alphonse D'Amato. But for a Kathy Wilde, so the partnership for New York City, an important meeting that, of course, uh, Judge Weinberg was also there. You'll tell us about it, trying to keep New York City safe and open it back up. But first on the line, we got Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning writer, New York Post columnist and all around great guy back with us here on Cats at Night. Michael Goodwin, what do you want to talk about? There's so much news going on. That's quite a gang you got there, Lydia. <laughs> gang is the right word. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the, the gang of five at five. Uh, are they is wearing five, colors two, of anything? I mean, we have to uh, watch out for them. Should we an all-points bulletin? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I think we should talk about uh, crime in the city. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, I wrote about it uh, uh, in yesterday's New York Post uh, about Mayor Adams and this report in the Post earlier in the week that there's talk among him and his staff and some allies that uh, he might run for president in 2024 if Joe Biden doesn't seek re-election. And I think this is uh, – it's worse than putting the cart before the horse. There's no cart. There's no horse. Michael, Uh, Ed Ed Cox here. Ed Cox here. When When was the last mayor ever elected to a higher office? I happened to do that research while I was running Never. McCain's Never. campaign. <laughs> no, 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 no. DeWitt Clinton oh, really? was elected governor of New York State after being mayor in 18-something. How about Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, no, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. No, no, police commissioner. Police commissioner. He was police commissioner, There's something right? about being mayor that you you got to do that too. job, and that's going to be it. You have to just it's, assume it's, that. It's really a dead-end job when you think about it. Uh, look, I mean, uh, the last three mayors thought they could be president. I, I'm supporting Giuliani, him, I'm supporting him for president so I could run for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> 
You'd have a better chance that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Michael Goodwin, also we've been talking about the Texas school shooting. Now it's there's timeline that is really disturbing. It looks like it took police officers an hour to get inside the school. Um, I want to I want to play this clip from the press conference where a reporter specifically asks the police chief there what took so long. Take a listen. We've been given a lot of bad Shimon, we will we will circle back with you. We want to answer all your questions. We want to give you the why. That, that's that's our job. So they couldn't even answer it. So that was Shimon Perez of uh, CNN asking, hey, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Why did it take police officers an hour? They heard the shots. They know the cops arrived, and yet they didn't go inside. They retreated, and they waited for tactical or I, I don't know. We, we don't know what's going on, but for an hour, and now we're seeing the video of all the parents frustrated, begging the, begging the cops to go inside, getting arrested by the cops. I mean, this is a mess. It certainly is, and it compounds the tragedy from heartbreak to fury. Uh, I mean, it's it's inexplicable that it would take an hour under those circumstances. Now, we, we no doubt the police probably tried to make contact with the shooter, and it's not clear when uh, the killings took place. Did they take place immediately? When he went in, could the, could the parents hear gunshots yes. outside? I mean, it, it, so exactly. there, are, there are all kinds of details. Michael, it's Tony Carbonetti. I, I agree with you. It, it, it's we have to see how this plays out because when the cops got there, if there was already gunfire inside, there was. Th- then they have a protocol that they need to follow, and I, I'm assuming that's kick down the doors and go get the kids. If it's a if it's a hostage situation, that's different. We got to give them a day to answer this before you jump down their jump down their throats, but they better have a good answer because they've game played this before. This isn't like they this just happened. This has happened so often in our country that they have already role played this, and they should have the answers and have run that role play. Well, of course, the uh, you know this shooting has been compared to Parkland in Florida, and there were you know dismissals and and uh, misconduct charges, as I recall. Against, uh, I think against the, the Rangers at, uh, who were there. Th- that, no, no, in, th- in Florida I'm talking Yeah, about. I'm talking about Florida when they were trying to, uh, one of them was videoed almost running from the shooter as right. opposed to uh, trying to apprehend him. Right, and, and there were also delays in going in. Um, and, and so, I, I, again, uh, we have so many questions that it's only fair that before we condemn the police, we we find out the answers. But I agree, Lydia, that they're going to have to answer the questions honestly and quickly because this thing is, is they're going to have a hard time heading off the suspicions that they screwed up here. Now, you know, again, the, the, the key is when when were the shots fired? When were the children and the teachers killed? Uh, if that's while they were waiting, I mean, that's just going to be an awful, awful spectacle. Michael, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. As as usual, unfortunately, when these incidents occur, you see the politicalization and the political posturing going on, playing the blame game. What made it, but to me, one of the most reprehensible things I saw was when uh, Beto O'Rourke went to the press conference and started shouting at Governor 
Governor Abbott at totally making a, a fiasco out of a very serious, tragic situation. What do you say? Yes, I agree with you. I mean, Beto O'Rourke, whose real name is Francis, um, ought to be a stuntman in a movie. <clears throat> I mean, that was that was just so reprehensible, and it was clearly done for political purposes. I mean, there's no other way. Uh, I mean, you rarely see a politician sink that low in such a crucial moment. But these are these are defining moments in the life of a politician, and you know, he's the one who has been all over the place on guns in Texas. We're going to take your guns. Darn right we are. And then he said, well, maybe not. And, I mean, he's he's a mess. He's really unfit for public office. Well, what did Biden mean by, well, maybe the Second Amendment is not really absolute? Uh, you ask me, John? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I think that there is, you know this rush to the to the to the gun ramparts for the democrats that if only they can pin republicans pin this on republicans for not passing more gun control uh, but look i mean biden you know in that in that address the other night which i thought once again he starts out he starts out with good heartfelt points and then he veers into partisanship uh, just as he did recently um, on an, uh, after the Buffalo shooting. Uh, same kind of thing. It's, it's, he's a uniter-in-chief until he becomes the partisan-in-chief. And I, I think that the Democrats have this abiding faith in the government's ability to restrict guns. And he, he cited a, a statistic that is simply not true when he said that, you know, when we had the— uh, the assault weapons ban, which there is no quite a gun that is actually an assault weapons on the market, but leave that aside, he said mass shootings fell, and then when it expired, they tripled, you know, virtually overnight. That's simply not true. There was almost no change in mass shootings during the period of that ban. So it's that sort of thing that I think once you see that, you say, but that's, that's just playing games. That's not the answer. And, and I think Democrats are going to have to – Republicans are going to have to agree to do something. I think that's true. But Democrats are going to have to get off of this kind of my way or the highway. I mean, they could have had police reform, if, but they didn't want the Republicans to get credit for it. Tim Scott was leading that. Uh, they, they, they don't – It's in many cases, they could have had infrastructure under Donald Trump, but they wouldn't negotiate with him. So in many cases, I think the Democrats um, uh, are showing they'd rather try to score political points than achieve a compromised piece of legislation. And that that's no better than refusing to do anything. That has the same effect because you're just going to chill the other side into inaction. And what people don't realize is those two pieces of legislation that are stalled in the Senate, that wouldn't have prevented this tragedy. This kid would have passed any kind of background check. But, but, but what do you have? I mean, most of these are, you know, gun rights meets mental health problem, mm-hmm. right? So if this kid was going to adopt a dog, someone would probably make a visit to his home, speak to his parents, see if he could actually take care of it. Why don't we do the same kind of thing with guns? 
That, because you're that, making too I'm, much I'm sense, not, Tony. I'm not anti-gun. I agree with There's you. a level of responsibility that comes with owning that gun. Or that type of weapon, then you have some sort of higher certification because they're more difficult right. to manage and they're they're it's I'm sorry, it's a weapon of mass destruction, of mass murder. I mean, so, so, it's not so the same as a regular that person rifle. Person needs to be responsible I mean, rifles, for the gun. I Period. Agree. What do you and think, Michael? Out a way Goodwin. to make that work. Now, look, uh, uh, I, I think that the, the Buffalo case is is clear too that there were red flags and new york has a red flag law and the people the police went and talked to him sent him for mental evaluation but never reported that information to the the federal gun registry and so he when when the seller of the weapon uh in in a shop uh, sold him the gun the, the seller said i checked the the background information, and he was clean. It was a legal sale. So what is the point of all these laws if we're not going to enforce them? Let me just add another point, too, which I think will will become clearer later, that both of these young men, 18 years old and 19 years old, apparently dropped out of school or at least stopped attending school during the pandemic. And we have heard lots about the isolation when the schools were closed. And we, these two kids seem to be extreme examples of the harm that that isolation did to them. I mean, uh, we don't know everything yet, but both of these cases, I was struck by that, that, those pieces of information. Retired Captain uh, Ed Mamet, he just texts both you and I, Judge, and he said, since Parkland, current doctrine is for police not to wait, but to immediately engage without awaiting reinforcements. And when I was listening to the press conference, as soon as the shooter went inside the school, they heard numerous, numerous shots. So whether or not those shots actually killed the children, but people reported them saying that they they heard uh, it sounded like fireworks. And that's why the parents became hysterical, because they were literally hearing the gunshots. And what makes it worse is that the, the local police weren't the ones who took down the shooter. It had to be a Border Patrol agent who just uh, fortuitously happened to be nearby on a training mission. He wouldn't have been there in the ordinary course. Well, and, and I think that uh, if, if we do get the answers, one of them will be here, that the police were not trained for this, that if they were, they would not have behaved this way or a commander was not. A, something was wrong. If it's true that the shots were fired and they were outside and they heard the shots, then there's something clearly wrong. Michael, this uh, is uh, the David, police response. This is David Patterson. I think that's an excellent point, because like you said in Parkland, there were some isolated cases where people didn't do what they were supposed to do, officers. And in this case, it's hard to imagine that all the officers there would make the same mistake. In other words, there had to be some confusion or some uh, lack of training that put them in that position because uh, normally they would all run in there. That would be their instinct. Yes, and look, I mean, you can you, you can – you know, we can imagine ourselves what some of their conversation is uh, if they don't what what they don't know is where exactly is the shooter? Uh, uh, how is he alone? Uh, where are the children? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know what information they had while they're out there, but you, you can imagine those are some of the first questions they would be asking themselves. Is the shooter barricaded with hostages? I mean, I, I don't know what they knew, but that's the key issue I think we're all going to have to focus on. 
Well, thank you so, so much, Michael Goodwin, for always your valuable insight. And we look forward to reading many more of your articles. Thank you so much, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, can we take a break right now? We'll come back. We're going to take a break right now. We'll come back. We have uh, Kathy Wilds coming up soon and uh, Robert Yunane, uh, who is a Texan Goya Foods, uh, uh, will be coming back soon. And uh, let's take that break. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Okay. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, president and CEO for the Partnership for New York City, Kathy Wild. You were part of a very important meeting with many important business leaders. Also, uh, Judge Weinberg was on that call as well. We're trying to get New York City safe again. Kathy Wild, exactly tell us what is going on and how did that conversation go with all the leaders? Uh, and Mayor Adams. And Mayor Adams, of course, yes. Well, yes, absolutely. So the conversation went very well. Mayor Adams delivers a strong message on public safety, which is exactly what the business community wants to hear. But really, they're speaking on behalf of their employees because they're hearing and, and, and hearing every day, and particularly with intensity when, it's, when somebody is hurt or injured or killed in the case of last Sunday with Daniel Enriquez from Goldman Sachs. Um, and, and the CEO of Goldman Sachs was, was on the call today as well. Uh, their employees are so upset when this happens because everybody identifies personally uh, with these tragedies, and all New Yorkers, I think, do. And it doesn't matter what the statistics say, and, and some of the statistics seem pretty good. Today, the, uh, the, chief, um, the chief of department, uh, Kevin Corey, was on the call and said, well, shootings and murders are down this month, and that's good news. But if people don't feel safe, it doesn't matter. Um, they're, they're going to be anxious, and I think that's, that's what we have, to, we have to deal with, no matter what the stats are. And one of the things, Kathy, it's Richard Weinberg, one of the things the mayor is very clear about is that you not only have to fight the reality of crime, whatever the statistics are telling you, but you have to deal with the perception by the general yep. population that it's not a safe city or it is a safe city or it's getting, getting better and something's being done to respond to the crisis. Right. And it's not just the New Yorkers who are concerned. People around the globe are watching. Tourists who are thinking about planning a trip here are watching. So it's a, it's a larger set of issues. And we did so well for the last 20 years making our city safer every year. There's been a reversal in the last five years in that process and particularly in the COVID, and we've got to do something about it. And, and, the, and the good news is that the mayor and the NYPD are absolutely on the case. Uh, Chief Corey spelled out very specific plans for this summer to make sure it's a safe summer, very specific plans for dealing with the gun and um, gun violence and with youth violence and guns in schools. Uh, 
very it, that was all very comforting because it wasn't just talk about we care about public safety. It was here's what we're going to do. But what the mayor said when you know questioned about what are the challenges, he said the courts have to be willing to put away dangerous people that the prosecutors have to be willing to prosecute dangerous people. And he obviously doesn't feel he's getting the, uh, all the support he needs from those sectors. Well, uh, Kathy Wild, um, if you have a, a minute or two, uh, we, I taped a uh, uh, piece with Inez Dinkins, the Assemblywoman from Harlem, uh, for yes. Sunday's show. But I figured let me maybe play two, two minutes about it. And I want your pulse on the situation. Uh, you know, she was one of the people supporting uh, a bail, the bail law. And on that, uh, on that uh, tape, she now tells me that she's against AOC. Uh, AOC was atta- is attacking her. And that she oh, wants. Yeah, she's, she's supporting she, the candidate who's running against her. Yeah, right. She wants law and order in her neighborhood. The people in her neighborhood want law and order. And. Uh, and I said, well, why don't you tell that to Carl Hasty? Because isn't he holding things up? Well, so- John, Richard, Richard was on the call. We had on the call today with the mayor, as in addition to the mayor, Al Sharpton was on the call. And even and Sharpton, even Sharpton was talking public safety today. Rev, Reverend Sharpton came on the call specifically. At, uh, he's a friend of one of our board members who uh, who asked him to join the call, and he got on and said, Crime is the biggest biggest problem in our community. So as well, we've got to fix this. Is the is us yelling in our five o'clock show? You know how much we're yelling. Mm-hmm. We yell every day, <laughs> a million people. Uh, is our yelling? David Patterson's yelling. Uh, everybody's yelling. Finally, getting through to Albany that enough is enough. Um, I can't go that far, John. Okay, so you don't think it's going through yet. You have a minute? We're gonna I, listen. I, think, We're gonna... I think that we've got to do more. I think we've got to be more. I know. I'm not stopping yelling. I'm, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to yell from now until November. Uh, let's let's play a, this, a smaller clip of Inez yes. Dinkins today. Inez, yes. Let's play a small clip. You know, I used to be in your district. I used to live in Harlem, and everybody in Harlem wants to be safe. How are they now? Well, uh, people don't feel safe, whether they're in Harlem, whether they're in the Bronx, whatever borough they're in, they don't feel safe. They can't get on the subways. Look at the man who was going to a a brunch, and he was killed unattacked. He was attacked unprovoked on the subway, and he's dead. His funeral was today. Look at the 11-year-old child in the Bronx coming home from school who two a a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old on a scooter shooting at somebody on the street and kills an 11-year-old child, her life cut short. Look at the, the shooting last month in, in Brooklyn on the subway of uh, 10 people injured on the subway. People feel unsafe on the subways. They feel unsafe on the buses. They feel unsafe walking the streets. And in, in communities of color, in black and brown communities, but we want respect from the police. We all want respect, we also want police. but we need safety, but we too. Also, but, John, we also want police. Yes. In my Let me ask you a question. They don't want the police to be defunded. They want the police to be able to answer when they call 911. So they want, a they, they want somebody, when they call 911, they want somebody to come. 
Exactly. Look at the two young police officers who were trying to be respectful and were killed in an apartment on 135th Street. Let, let me ask you a question. Uh, at what point, and I've been having this argument with Carl Hasty, at what point do you, th you, you put somebody away and throw the key away after three violent crimes, five violent crimes, and I'm not talking about stealing a loaf of bread. I'm talking about violent crimes, 10 violent crimes. At what point did you throw away the key? Well, you know something, is, is, is John, I'm, I disagree with you about the throwing away the key. However, what I am going to say is that the bail reform law does give the option to judges. They're not utilizing it correctly. They're reading it one way instead of reading it correctly. They but have the, the criminals. Oh, that was a great interview, John. Well, I mean, you hear the rest of that interview on Sunday on the Catch Roundtable, but David Patterson, me and you are from Harlem. What do you think? Is the tide turning or is it just a lot of BS? I don't know that the tide is turning as much as people who haven't spoken up to this point are now feeling that they have to say something. Uh, the issue about judge's discretion, and I think the judge will agree with me, that the, what the, what's in the law right now is not enough. We're the only state out of 50 that uh, doesn't give the judges the type of discretion they need to determine potential dangerousness of a defendant a after a bail hearing. That's exactly right. So with all due respect to the assemblywoman, she's wrong on that issue. And by the way, to John's question, is the tide turning? I think the tide never turned. People in those communities have always wanted the police. I've been a reporter for seven years in New York City, and I've never heard anybody saying when I arrive to a crime scene, we want less police. They always say we want more police. You're right, Lydia. You know, what it, you know what it really is? It's that people that live in those communities really want safety. They really want the police. Absolutely. There have been situations that came up where we felt that it was excessive use of police force, and many of them became very high-profile cases. But don't think that the people in the community don't need or want the police to be successful. That, that is Let's the... go to Kathy Wild. I want to see, because she was on the call. Kathy, any, any, any pulse on the, on the situation? Well, yes. I think, I think the police, certainly the police express that they feel empowered by the mayor, giving them the resources so that they're really doubling down this summer. And they are looking, and, and the, what the mayor is saying is, let's, I, I, you might have heard him today saying, let's do a campaign to show we support the police. Let's put it out there that we really want them to be able to do their job and that we support their efforts and the fact that they put their life on the line every day. And I think that's something that we haven't done. I think that does take leadership from the black community, whether Al Sharpton, Inez Dickens, Governor Patterson, I mean, because there's such sensitivity and concern about not about the whole racial incarceration, all those issues, which have made it difficult to deal directly with things like the judicial discretion. I mean, the argument against that is that some judges are prejudiced and they're going to treat black people and brown people differently than they treat white people. We've got it, but there are ways to get around that. New Jersey has a, a, a bail law. 
where there's no bail charge, but judges have the discretion to put recidivists Secretary, away. So I think that's something we got to do. Kathy, it's to Tony Carbonetti. But the police need to feel like when they're going and taking a gun off of someone, the district attorney is going to prosecute that someone because those guys don't want to go take the gun off of him again yeah. next week. You, you know and what I'm that's saying? That's the point the mayor was making today. He said when we said what can the business community do, he made the point. He needs the, the judge, support. Talk yes. to the district attorney. Well, we, we've all, I've supported him. We all support him. No, no, we got to pressure the DAs. We we're support gonna, the then, mayor. Then we're gonna, we want to we want to pressure the district well, attorneys because that's what today, has to help the mayor. As of today, we'll be declaring war on the DAs. Then. Well, I mean, you had that that kid, that C blue, that rapper that shot the cop in the leg, and this and that, and they dropped the charges. District attorney, they dropped the charges. He shot a cop. So, so now you think a cop wants to go take a gun away from that kid again two weeks from now? No, yeah, why he wants to do it once. That's it. Kathy Wild, we have to move on. We, we're going to Texas to talk about. Uh, what's going on down there. Kathy Wall, thank Terrible. you for everything you do, and we stand by your side, too, and we we will make sure, we will make sure that New York gets to be the greatest city in the world again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. And now we have... We have Bob Yunanwe. He is the CEO of Goya Foods. Hi, Bob. How are you? Hi, Lydia. How are you doing? And John? Uh, tell us, uh, I, I'm doing okay. Uh, tell us, uh, you live in Houston a lot lately, and uh, give us the pulse of what the heck is going on in Texas. Where, how could this happen? I thought the, those Texas cops are supposed to be tough. Well, well, John, you know, uh, actually, right now, right now, I'm in Spain. I had been in Poland uh, last week, but and now I'm in Spain. And what's happening? It's not a Texas thing. It's not a Buffalo thing. It's a thing that's happening all around this country. We've had a battle. We've had a war against a child, a war against a father, a war against the mother, the family. Okay, we've been promoting violence. We've just got we lock. First of all, we lock everybody up with this COVID. Okay, and we had this virtual. These kids living in a virtual world without parents sometimes. Oh, and they they think this is a video game. Because we're not valuing life. When you live in, in behind a, a, a smartphone or in a, in, a, in a bunker, you know, life doesn't matter. We, we, it was a big issue of closing us down. The other thing is then we had the summers of violence. We promote violence. Even politicians that talk about violence, about, about hurting, you know, President Trump, they, they're promoting this violence. Then we have – uh, this this uh, Supreme Court decision, not a decision, it's a draft, just a draft to take the abortion issue from federal to state. And what are we saying? We're going to have violence. Abortion is violence. And now we're going to say because they're going to they have this draft. They want more violence. We're going to have a summer of violence. It's already been promised by these people who the mon- very small minority that want to control us and pit one person against each other, hate us, and divide us. If we're promoting violence every day, every day, then why should we be appalled that something happens in Buffalo, something happens in Texas, in a virtual world, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old, that have no clue because the father isn't present, the mother isn't present. We're diminishing the role of the mother and the father and the family. And we're going to have the village 
if we're going to relate, uh, go back to having the village raise our children, then we're screwed. We're That's- screwed. And we're going to promote violence and more violence, you know, then we should not be appalled. Bob Yunanway, you're 100% right with all of these uh, young mass shooters. The common threat is no father figure in the home, a broken home. And this latest shooter, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to dignify it, uh, he, he was addicted to video games. He was always on video games. So it was one big video game for him. I mean, clearly he didn't value his own life. He, didn't va- he shot his grandmother in the face. This was, this was a walking red flag. Yeah, we're, we're living in this virtual, having everybody locked up with COVID and living in this virtual world, putting masks on. We can't see our facial expressions. We're not relating to each other. We're pitting one person against the other. We want to hate each other, divide. This is what the communists do. And we're becoming a communist country, a socialist country, where they don't, God is out of the picture. Number one, God is out of the picture. And then we divide, we create conflict. These Communism works with conflict, okay? And that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're teaching each other to hate each other when we have to love each other and move toward God. The, the, the communists, the socialists, they don't like God. God is out of everything. We've got to move closer to God. We've got to love each other, love and build, not hate and destroy. The people that destroy these cities, like Portland, they, haven't, they don't work. They don't contribute anything. So when things are given to you, it doesn't have value. Life doesn't have value. If you're working, you you earn so it. Many, you're not, if you build a house, you're not going to burn Bob, it when, when it's finished. So many Democratic cities have been destroyed, whether it's Portland, Seattle. San Francisco is a mess. Nobody wants to even go to, any, to San Francisco. So I think what Mayor Adams, because we were talking about Mayor Adams before, I said to him, you got to take the leadership and turn around these Democratic cities. If you take the leadership and turn around these Democratic cities, then maybe you could run, run for president. But you can't run for president unless you accomplish something. I, I worked summers and, and breaks since I was 10 years old. The, the value of work is important. When you work, you earn it. If you don't work, things don't have value. If you're handed things, it doesn't have value. We're not valuing things we're not valuing life more importantly and we're moving away from god we're 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 the biggest consumers on the planet the united states and if we don't start working getting back to work i think 56 percent of the people in this country don't pay taxes so we got to work we got to contribute we got to do something with our lives we're given this valuable life we got to produce and give back and value each other Bob, we're going to let you get back to your dinner in Spain. (laughs) It's 11 o'clock at night there. You're in the middle of dinner, I understand. God bless you. Uh, Bob Unanue, CEO of Goya Foods, does a terrific job at Goya Foods. Really, their their beans are the best beans money can buy. Yes, we had them for Cinco de Mayo here. And it was great. It was Mm -hmm. terrific. Get back back to dinner, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Goya Foods. Thank you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we have a, 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 another Texan. We have Tom Hicks, co-chairman of the RNC. And he's mad as hell. And he can't take it anymore on what's going on with uh, President Biden making decisions that the White House reverses. John
Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Katz at Night Show. On the line for us right now is Tom Hicks, the co-chair of the RNC. Hi, Tom. How are you? Good. Good afternoon. How are you doing? We have in here with us uh, Ed Cox. I know you know him very well. Yeah, co-chair Tommy Hicks. uh, Tell us, uh, you're right in the middle now since it's midterms of the congressional elections. All the redistricting has been done, uh, including here in New York. The races are going forward. What's your sense of them? Where are they going? Well, look, the RNC right now is putting in the work right now that we need to win as Republicans in November. And you know what? The trends look good. I mean, just in the uh, primaries on Tuesday, take Georgia, for example. We had 450,000 more people show up in the Republican primary than we did in the Democrat primary. That enthusiasm is unmatched. And in Texas, my home state, in March, when we had our primary, it was almost half a million more uh, people who showed up as Republicans than Democrats. So the enthusiasm we're seeing across the board, across the country, is tangible. We just need to keep going and keep our foot on the gas pedal and deliver this November for the American people. We've got to stop this madness in Washington, D.C. So tell us what's driving that the enthusiasm. What's what's producing it? Well, where do you start? I mean, you've got inflation that is much higher than they say it is. You've got open borders with two and a half million people that we know of who've crossed our southern border uh, under Biden's um, administration. That's more people than we have in the United States military. Uh, We have gas prices at all-time highs. People are going to lose their summer vacations or their Christmases. This is devastating to the American middle class. And the list goes on and on and on. And people are fed up right now. And so we're going to see – you know, it's unfortunate that we're going to have to go through this as a country – in order to deliver political change, but we will have political change in Washington. And we got to remind the people of Washington, D.C., that they work for us. It is not the other way around. Tom Hicks, how important of a role do you think uh, gun control will play as well as the Roe v. Wade possible decision? Look, I think what happened in Texas was tragic. I'm still, you know, praying for the families, obviously. Um, I think it's it's this is not a political issue. Uh, what what matters to the American people is their day to day lives, which is how much they how much they're spending on groceries, gasoline, and that that's gonna that's gonna have a a big effect at the ballot box in November. Tom, it's Tony Carbonetti. How are you? What, what are Hi, we Tom. doing? I mean, we're anticipating a victory in November. What are we doing similar to what Newt did in '94 to say, here's how we're going to hit the ground running? Well, look, the Democrats are doing a good job for us and uh, with delivering these disastrous policies. But we've, we've got to keep pounding the pavement. We've got to keep growing the party. We're registering voters. No, all what's over the our place. promise? What, what are we, how are we going to hit the ground running? We're going to win. We know that. But when we do and we have to govern, where's our 10-point plan? Where's our contract with America? Well, Kevin McCarthy has put out a plan. I think you're going to have a more concise plan. It comes out later in the summer before the election. Um, I think it'll be probably a postcard-type plan that's very simple to understand. But we have to have a, a president who's willing to work with Congress when we take control of the House and the Senate. And I'm not sure if Joe Biden and his administration would be willing to do that. But we have to put a roadblock in place at the very least this November. It seems like he might have Bill Clinton advising him, and Bill was forced to do it, so Newt knows how to do that. Yeah, and that turned around Bill Clinton's presidency and healthy American people. Yeah. 
No, we got to all work together. There are problems that we all have to solve together. And I'm glad you're working on that. But do you think that Absolutely. President Biden can really do that? Uh, does he have those <laughs> those skills, most cognitive and political, to get that done? I mean, Clinton knew what he was doing. The era of big government Clinton is over. Was a, Remember that? Clinton was one smart guy. He yeah, was uh, one smart guy. I'll tell you what, Ed, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I knew Bill Clinton, and um, Joe Biden is not Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. definitely uh, I'll attest to that, too. Well, look, Joe Biden ran as a unifier, and he's been the ultimate divider, and it's been across the board. Ever since he uh, took his oath, he, ha- he declared, you know, day one, war on the energy business here in America. Day one cost 14,000 good jobs on that pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline, but it's been nonstop. So I don't know if he has the ability to work with, with Republicans. He hasn't shown it yet. Well, it, it, he's obviously just catering to that radical left. He's not even catering to the moderate Democrats or even Democrats in general, these radicals. That's what it seems like. It's been overtaken. Well, the bigger the bigger problem is he says one thing, and then the guy who runs the teleprompter goes crazy. And no, they, I mean, they who back. in the White House is reversing the president's decisions, uh, Tom? <laughs> well, by the way, that's why you're seeing more and more Democrats switch over to the Republican Party or become independent voters, and they're going to vote with us uh, this November. You're seeing this all over the country. And it's, it actually started with Jeff Andrew in New Jersey when he said the, the Democrat Party left him, and he's now a Republican. It's the first time in history that somebody left a majority party to join the, the minority. And, you know, Jeff Andrew's a good man. He's a good American. And I think a lot of these Democrats need to wake up. Well, Tom Hicks, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for – listen, we stand by your side. We need change in the country right now, and I think everybody knows we need change. And and and, and keep us uh, in the loop, and uh, whenever you have something good to report, please call us. Well, thanks for everything you guys do. God bless. God bless. And let's take a break, and we're going to come back with former Senator Aldo Milo, and he is – I'm as mad <laughs> as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. And now we have the greatest senator that ever lived, Senator Alphonse D'Amato of New York. Senator D'Amato, how the heck are you? I'm very good, but not even my mother would would suggest that I was the greatest at any. (laughs) (laughs) To us, you are. Don't worry. All right. Senators, I'm good. Oh, good. We're okay. not, but we're we're not in good shape. This nation, and I heard some of the um, uh, comments that were made by Rudy Giuliani, and I don't agree with him on many things. I think he helped screw up Trump's election by going over to the Ukraine, by and bringing two crooks over with him, by um, getting involved in the aftermath of the election. The debacle took place when he didn't ex- uh, expose uh, the former Vice President Biden, um, actually threatening to withhold a billion dollars of aid to the Ukraine, and they got him bragging about it. Talking, talk, talking about Trump, uh, Judge Weinberg, yeah. what do you have? Senator, the appeals court today, what did happen? The appellate division in, in Manhattan today ruled that there was a subpoena it was served on the Trump organization, on President Trump and his two children, compelling them to testify and turn over documents. And I said that was just fine. 
but they did not have a Fifth Amendment right to withhold, and he had to cooperate. What do you say about that? I say, number one, his attorneys uh, should appeal, and I hope he has better attorneys than Giuliani, all right, because he just let him down a primrose path. I'd say that uh, then, depending upon uh, what the highest court in the state does, um, he, they've got to follow through on it. I think it's it's cheap politics, and I don't think anything will come of it. Number two, what do I think he should do? He should concentrate on the failings of this administration. He has plenty to talk about, and he can't. He's got this economy that is getting worse by the day. Inflation, you haven't even seen how ugly its head can be. And, and, and he should go after him in terms of what he did in changing his policies on the border and what he's created and how many billions and billions of dollars that is going to cost and is costing the American taxpayers. That's what he should do. He should go after the, the incredible, incompetent administration and stop the nonsense uh, uh, about the election being stolen. Concentrate on the failures, because the failures are there. And, and, and say, Mr. Mr. Uh, President, why don't you let Canada build the pipeline so that we can get access to a million barrels of oil a day? Mr. President, why don't you allow the federal lands that, that have so much energy underneath to be explored? Mr. President, why don't you tell your administration to stop putting great restrictions on the leases so that, so that the oil companies will undertake the, the leasing and the production and we be, can become energy independent and help our allies in so doing? If you want to take on Mr. Putin, that's the way to do it. Make us energy independent so we can help the people in this nation and our allies. He's got so much to do. Forget the nonsense about the stolen election. You've said it over and over. You're not going to win that way. And by the way, you'd walk in if you became the leader of taking on the fight for energy independence taking on the fight against inflation, taking on the fight about the fight of the border corruption, because that's what it is. We are permitting crooks. Uh, we are permitting drugs. We are per permitting potential assassins who want to take this country down by violence. And, and, and that is where he should be and the Republicans should be. And I want to tell you that the leaking of that memo as it related to Roe v. Wade is going to be helpful to Democrats, but it's going to mean nothing when it comes to the final result because this economy in this country is staggering, and it's going to get worse. Senator, Senator let, let, let's give a chance to somebody else to speak in the studio, too. I was mad at and I'm not gonna take this anymore. So Senator, you're mad as hell at the president. But do you think he's really running the White House or do you think it's the staff? Yeah, I think he was always an ultra liberal. He and his wife. He had to hide that because 
the voters in his home state, Delaware, would never have stood for the liberal that we see now. And once he got in, the true Joe Biden has stepped forward. And that's what you're saying. But, Senator, this is David Patterson. It doesn't appear that the entire country is uh, agreeing with the president now. In other words, what what he was hiding from in Delaware, and then he showed his, as you're saying, his true colors as president, that's not going over very well in this country right now. That's why uh, we, the Democrats, are about to lose, like— I don't know, 150 seats or something. Time to switch parties. <laughs> time to switch parties, Governor. Yeah, people have come to that belief that it's time for a change, um, and and we desperately need to win the Senate. And 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 again, Trump can help, but he's got to be positive. When I say positive, give the Republican message, carry it, talk about the things that Biden has changed that were working. Under the Trump administration, and and that's how he helps himself, the nation, and the Republican Party. And maybe we can take back both houses in the Congress overwhelmingly. Certainly, the the House of Representatives take back the the Senate and and stifle the nonsense that Biden is putting out there. Senator, can I get one last word in on that appellate division decision? Mike, yeah. what I'm troubled by is as follows. They're using a civil litigation tactic to try to set up the president for a criminal prosecution. And I'm deeply troubled by the misuse of that process. What do you say about that? I say that that argument should be put before the court and, uh, and, and see, I, I don't know uh, the law. That is conjecture, it seems to me, Judge on anybody who would be uh, putting that forth. We're out of time, guys. We're out of time. Senator Senator D'Amato, thank you for everything you do and continue to do for our country. And uh, Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, Governor Patterson, Chief, Chief (laughs) Carbonetti, and Nelson Happy. He's always happy. And uh, thank you all, Lydia. And we all say what? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. way. God bless New York. God bless America. Thank you all.